0: The Chessmen of Mars. Chapter 20. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss. The Chessmen of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter 20. The Charge of Cowardice. Gahan, watching through the aperture between the hangings, saw the frantic flight of their pursuers. A grim smile rested upon his lips as he viewed the mad scramble for safety, and saw them throw away their swords and fight with one another to be first from the chamber of fear. And when they were all gone he turned back toward Tara, the smile still upon his lips. But the smile died the instant that he turned, for he saw that Tara had disappeared. "'Tara!' he called in a loud voice, for he knew that there was no danger that the pursuers would return, but there was no response, unless it was a faint sound as of cackling laughter from afar. Hurriedly, he searched the passageway behind the hangings finding several doors, one of which was ajar. Through this he entered the adjoining chamber which was lighted more brilliantly for the moment by the soft rays of hurtling Thuria taking her mad way through the heavens. Here he found the dust upon the floor disturbed, and the imprint of sandals. They had come this way, Tara and whatever the creature was that had stolen her. But what could it have been? Gahan, a man of culture and high intelligence, held few, if any, superstitions in common with nearly all the races of Barsoom he clung, more or less inherently, to a certain exalted form of ancestor worship, though it was rather the memory or legends of the virtues and heroic deeds of his forebears that he deified, rather than themselves. He never expected any tangible evidence of their existence after death. He did not believe that they had the power either for good Or for evil other than the effect that their example while living might have had upon the following generations. He did not believe, therefore, in the materialization of dead spirits. If there was a life hereafter, he knew nothing of it, for he knew that science had demonstrated the existence of some material cause for every seemingly supernatural phenomenon of ancient religions and superstitions. Yet, he was at a loss to know what power might have removed Taras so suddenly and mysteriously from his side in a chamber that had not known the presence of man for five thousand years. In the darkness he could not see whether there were the imprints of other sandals than Tara's, only that the dust was disturbed, and when it led him into gloomy corridors he lost the trail altogether. A perfect labyrinth of passages and apartments were now revealed to him as he hurried on through the deserted quarters of Omai. Here was an ancient bath, doubtless that of the jeddak himself, and again he passed through a room in which a meal had been laid upon the table five thousand years before, the untasted breakfast of Omai, perhaps. There passed before his eyes, in the brief moments that he traversed the chambers, a wealth of ornaments and jewels and precious metals that surprised even the jet of Gathol, whose harness was of diamonds and platinum and whose riches were the envy of a world. But at last his search of Omai's chambers ended in a small closet in the floor of which was the opening to a spiral runway leading straight down into the stygian darkness. The dust at the entrance of the closet had been freshly disturbed, and as this was the only possible indication that Gahan had of the direction taken by the abductor of Tara, it seemed as well to follow on as to search elsewhere. So, without hesitation, he descended into the utter darkness below. Feeling with a foot, before taking a forward step, his descent was necessarily slow, but Gahan was a Barsumian and so knew the pitfalls that might await the unwary in such dark, forbidden portions of a jeddak's palace. He had descended for what he judged might be three full levels, and was pausing, as he occasionally did, to listen when he distinctly heard a peculiar shuffling, scraping sound approaching him from below. Whatever the thing was, it was ascending the runway at a steady pace, and would soon be near him. Gahan laid his hand upon the hilt of his sword and drew it slowly from its scabbard that he might make no noise that would apprise the creature of his presence. He wished that there might be even the slightest lessening of the darkness. If he could see but the outline of the thing that approached him he would feel that he had a fairer chance in the meeting, but he could see nothing, and then- because he could see nothing, the end of his scabbard struck the stone side of the runway, giving off a sound that the stillness and the narrow confines of the passage and the darkness seemed to magnify to a terrific clatter. Instantly the shuffling sound of approach ceased. For a moment Gehan stood in silent waiting, then casting aside discretion he moved on again down the spiral. The thing, whatever it might be, gave forth no sound now by which Gehan might locate it. At any moment it might be upon him, and so he kept his sword in readiness. Down, ever downward, the steep spiral led. The darkness and the silence of the tomb surrounded him, yet somewhere ahead was something. He was not alone in that horrid place. Another presence that he could not hear or see hovered before him of that he was positive. Perhaps it was the thing that had stolen Tara. Perhaps Tara herself, still in the clutches of some nameless horror, was just ahead of him. He quickened his pace. It became almost a run at the thought of the danger that threatened the woman he loved, and then he collided with a wooden door that swung open to the impact. Before him was a lighted corridor. On either side were chambers. He had advanced but a short distance from the bottom of the spiral when he recognized that he was in the pits below the palace. A moment later he heard behind him the shuffling sound that had attracted his attention in the spiral runway. Wheeling about he saw the author of the sound emerging from a doorway he had just passed. It was Gek the Kaldane. "'Gek!' exclaimed Gahan. "'It was you in the runway? Have you seen Tara of Helium?' It was I in the spiral, replied the Caldane. but I have not seen Tara of Helium. I have been searching for her. Where is she? I do not know, replied the Gatholian, but we must find her and take her from this place. We may find her, said Gek. but I doubt our ability to take her away. It is not so easy to leave Manator as it is to enter it. I may come and go at will through the ancient burrows of the Ulseos, but you are too large for that, and your lungs need more air than may be found in some of the deeper runways. But Uthor, exclaimed Gahan, have you heard aught of him or his intentions? I have heard much, replied Gek. He camps at the gate of enemies. That spot he holds, and his warriors lie just beyond the gate, but he has not sufficient force to enter the city and take the palace. An hour since, and you might have made your way to him. But now every avenue is strongly guarded since Otar learned that Akor has escaped to Uthor. Akor has escaped and joined Uthor? exclaimed Gehan. But little more than an hour since I was with him when a warrior came, a man whose name is Taysor, who brought a message from you. It was decided that Taysor should accompany Akor in an attempt to reach the camp of Uthor, the great Jed of Manitos and exact from him the assurances you required. Then Uthor was to return and take food to you and the princess of Helium. I accompanied them. We won through easily and found Uthor more than willing to respect your every wish, but when Tesor would have returned to you the way was blocked by the warriors of Otar. Then it was that I volunteered to come to you and report and find food and drink and then go forth among the Gatholian slaves of Manator, and prepare them for their part in the plan that Uthor and Tazor conceived. And what was this plan? Uthor had sent for reinforcements. To Manatos he has sent, and to all the outlying districts that are his. It will take a month to collect and bring them hither, and in the meantime the slaves within the city are to organize secretly." stealing and hiding arms against the day that the reinforcements arrive when that day comes the forces of uthor will enter the gate of enemies and as the warriors of otar rush to repulse them the slaves from gathol will fall upon them from the rear with the majority of their numbers while the balance will assault the palace they hope thus to divert so many from the gate that uthor will have little difficulty in forcing an entrance to the city Perhaps they will succeed, commented Gehan. but the warriors of Otar are many, and those who fight in defense of their homes and their jeddak have always an advantage. Ah, Gek! Would that we had the great warships of Gathol or of Helium to pour their merciless fire into the streets of Manator while Uthor marched to the palace over the corpses of the slain! He paused, deep in thought, and then turned his gaze again upon the Kaldane. Have you aught of the party that escaped with me from the field of Jitan, of Floron, Valdor, and the others? What of them? Ten of these, one threw to Uthor at the gate of enemies, and were well received by him. Eight fell in the fighting upon the way. Valdor and Floron live, I believe, for I am sure that I heard Uthor address two warriors by these names. Good! exclaimed Gahan. Go then through the burrows of the Alseos to the gate of enemies, and carry to Floron the message that I shall write in his own language. Come while I write the message. In a nearby room they found a bench and table, and there Gahan sat and wrote in the strange stenographic characters of Martian script a message to Floron of Gathol. Why, he asked when he had finished it, did you search for Tara through the spiral runway where we nearly met? Tezor told me where you were to be found." and as I have explored the greater part of the palace by means of the Alcio runways and the darker less frequented passages, I knew precisely where you were and how to reach you. This secret spiral ascends from the pits to the roof of the loftiest of the palace towers. It has secret openings at every level, but there is no living Manatorian, I believe, who knows of its existence. At least never have I met one within it and I have used it many times. Thrice have I been in the chamber where Omai lives, though I knew nothing of his identity or the story of his death until Tezor told it to us in the camp of Uthor. You know the palace thoroughly, then, Gahan interrupted, better than O-Tar himself or any of his servants. Good, and you would serve the princess Tara. Gek, you may serve her best by accompanying Floron and following his instructions. I will write them here at the close of my message to him, for the walls have ears, Gek, while none but a Gatholian may read what I have written to Floron, He will transmit it to you. Can I trust you? I may never return to Bantum, replied Gek. Therefore I have but two friends, in all Barsoom. What better may I do than serve them faithfully? You may trust me, Gatholian." who with a woman of your kind has taught me that there be finer and nobler things than perfect mentality, uninfluenced by the unreasoning tuitions of the heart. I go." As O-Tar pointed to the little doorway all eyes turned in the direction he indicated, and surprise was writ large upon the faces of the warriors when they recognized the two who had entered the banquet hall. There was i and he dragged behind him one who was gagged and whose hands were fastened behind with a ribbon of tough silk—it was the slave girl. Igos's cackling laughter rose above the silence of the room. "Eh, hey, hey, eh!" he shrilled. "What the young warriors of Otar cannot do, old Igos does alone." Only a korful may capture a korful. growled one of the chiefs who had fled from the chambers of Omai. Igos laughed. TERROR TURNED YOUR HEART TO WATER, HE REPLIED, AND SHAME YOUR TONGUE TO LIBEL. THIS BE NO CARFUL, BUT ONLY A WOMAN OF HELIUM, HER COMPANION A WARRIOR, WHO CAN MATCH BLADES WITH THE BEST OF YOU, AND CUT YOUR putrid HEARTS. NOT SO IN THE DAYS OF IGOS, YOUTH. AH, THEN THERE WERE MEN IN Manator. WELL DO I RECALL THE DAY THAT I— PEACE, dottering FOOL, COMMANDED O-TAR. WHERE IS THE MAN? WHERE I FOUND THE WOMAN. "'in the death-chamber of Omai. Oh "'Let your wise and brave chieftains go thither and fetch him. "'I am an old man, and could bring but one.' "'You have done well, i Otar hastened to assure him. "'For when he learned that Gahan might still be in the haunted chambers, "'he wished to appease the wrath of i "'knowing well the vitriolic tongue and temper of the Ancient One. "'You think she is no corporal, then, i he asked. "'wishing to carry the subject from the man who was still at large. "'No more than you,' replied the ancient taxidermist. "'O-Tar looked long and searchingly at Tara. "'All the beauty that was hers seemed suddenly to be carried to every fiber of his consciousness. "'She was still garbed in the rich harness of a black princess of Jitan, "'and as O-Tar the Jeddak gazed upon her, he realized that never before had his face rested upon a more perfect figure, a more beautiful face. She is no corful, he murmured to himself. She is no corful, and she is a princess, a princess of helium, and by the golden hair of the holy Hackador she is beautiful. Take the gag from her mouth and release her hands, he commanded aloud. Make room for the princess Tara of Helium at the side of O-Tar of Manator. She shall dine as becomes a princess. Slaves did as O-Tar bid, and Tara of Helium stood with flashing eyes behind the chair that was offered her. Sit, commanded O-Tar. The girl sank into the chair. I sit as a prisoner, she said, not as a guest at the board of my enemy, O-Tar of Manator. Otar motioned his followers from the room. "'I would speak alone with the Princess of Helium,' he said. The company and the slaves withdrew, and once more the Jeddak of Manator turned toward the girl. "'O-Tar of Manator would be your friend,' he said. Tara of Helium sat with arms folded upon her small, firm breast; her eyes flashing from behind narrowed lids nor did she deign to answer his overture. O-Tar leaned closer to her. He noted the hostility of her bearing, and he recalled his first encounter with her. She was a Shibanth, but she was beautiful. She was by far the most desirable woman that O-Tar had ever looked upon, and he was determined to possess her. He told her so. I could take you as my slave he said to her but it pleases me to make you my wife you shall be jedara of manator you shall have seven days in which to prepare for the great honor that otar is conferring upon you and at this hour of the seventh day you shall become an empress and the wife of otar in the throne room of the jeddaks of manator he struck a gong that stood beside him upon the table and when a slave appeared he bade him recall the company slowly the chiefs filed in and took their places at the table their faces were grim and scowling for there was still unanswered the question of their jeddak's courage if otar had hoped they would forget he had been mistaken in his men otar arose in seven days he announced there will be a great feast "'in honor of the new Jadara of Manator,' and he waved his hand toward Tara of Helium. "'The ceremony will occur at the beginning of the seventh zode in the throne room. "'In the meantime, the princess of Helium will be cared for in the tower of the women's quarters "'of the palace. Conduct her thither, Ethos, with a suitable guard of honor, and see to it "'that slaves and eunuchs be placed at her disposal.' Who shall attend upon all her wants and guard her carefully from harm now ethos knew that the real meaning concealed in these fine words was that he should conduct the prisoner under a strong guard to the women's quarters and confine her there in the tower for seven days placing about her trustworthy guards who would prevent her escape and frustrate any attempted rescue as tara was departing from the chamber with ethos and the guard Otar leaned close to her ear and whispered, "Consider well during these seven days the high honor I have offered you, and its sole alternative, as though she had not heard him. The girl passed out of the banquet hall, her head high and her eyes straight to the front. after Gek had left him. Gahan roamed the pits and the ancient corridors of the deserted portions of the palace, seeking some clue to the whereabouts or the fate of Tara of Helium. He utilized the spiral runway in passing from level to level until he knew every foot of it, from the pits to the summit of the high tower, and into what apartments it opened at the various levels, as well as the ingenious and hidden mechanism that operated the locks of the cleverly concealed doors leading to it. For food he drew upon the stores he found in the pits, and when he slept he lay upon the royal couch of Omai in the forbidden chamber, sharing the dais with the dead foot of the ancient jeddak. In the palace about him seethed, all unknown to Gehan, a vast unrest. Warriors and chieftains pursued the duties of their vocations with dour faces, and little knots of them were collecting here and there, and with frowns of anger discussing some subject that was uppermost in the minds of all. It was upon the fourth day following Tara's incarceration in the tower that Ethos, the major domo of the palace and one of Otar's creatures, came to his master upon some trivial errand. Otar was alone in one of the smaller chambers of his personal suite when the major domo was announced, and after the matter upon which Ethos had come was disposed of, the Jeddak signed him to remain from the position of an obscure warrior I have elevated you, Ethos, to the honors of a chief. Within the confines of the palace your word is second only to mine. You are not loved for this, Ethos, and should another jeddak ascend the throne of Manator, what would become of you whose enemies are among the most powerful of Manator?" "'Speak not of it, O-Tar,' begged Ethos. These last few days I have thought upon it much and I would forget it. But I have sought to appease the wrath of my worst enemies. I have been very kind and indulgent with them." "'You, too, read the voiceless message in the air?' demanded the Jeddak. Ethos was palpably uneasy, and he did not reply. "'Why did you not come to me with your apprehensions?' demanded Otar. "'Be this loyalty?' "'I feared, O oh mighty Jeddak,' replied Ethos. "'I feared that you would not understand and that you would be angry what know you speak the whole truth commanded otar there is much unrest among the chieftains and the warriors replied ethos even those who were your friends fear the power of those who speak against you what say they growled the jeddak they say that you are afraid to enter the apartments of Omai in search of the slave turan oh do not be angry with me jeddak "'It is but what they say that I repeat. "'I, your loyal ethos, believe no such foul slander.' "'No, no, why should I fear?' demanded Otar. "'We do not know that he is there. "'Did not my chiefs go thither and see nothing of him?' "'But they say that you did not go,' pursued Ethos, "'and that they will have none of a coward upon the throne of Manator.' "'They said that treason?' Otar almost shouted they said that and more great jeddak answered the major domo they said that not only did you fear to enter the chambers of omai oh but that you feared the slave Turan, and they blame you for your treatment of akor whom they all believe to have been murdered at your command they were fond of akor and there are many now who say aloud that akor would have made a wondrous jeddak "'They dare!' screamed O-Tar. "'They dare suggest the name of a slave's bastard for the throne of O-Tar?' "'He is your son, O-Tar,' Ethos reminded him. "'Nor is there a more beloved man in Manator. "'I but speak to you of facts which may not be ignored. "'And I dare do so because only when you realize the truth "'may you seek a cure for the ills that draw about your throne.' Otar had slumped down upon his bench. Suddenly he looked shrunken and tired and old. Curse it be the day, he cried, that saw those three strangers enter the city of Manator. Would that Udor had been spared to me! He was strong, my enemies feared him, but he is gone, dead at the hands of that hateful slave Turan. May the curse of Isis be upon him! My Jeddak! what shall we do? begged Ethos. Cursing the slave will not solve your problems. But the great feast and the marriage is but three days off, pled O-Tar. It shall be a great gala occasion. The warriors and the chief all know that. It is the custom. Upon that day gifts and honor shall be bestowed. Tell me, who are the most bitter against me? I will send you among them AND LET IT BE KNOWN THAT I AM PLANNING REWARDS FOR THEIR PAST SERVICES TO THE THRONE. WE WILL MAKE JEDS OF THE CHIEFS, AND CHIEFS OF WARRIORS, AND GRANT THEM PALACES AND SLAVES. Eh, hey, Athos, THE OTHER SHOOK HIS HEAD. IT WILL NOT DO, O-TAR. THEY WILL HAVE NOTHING OF YOUR GIFTS OR HONORS. I HAVE HEARD THEM SAY AS MUCH. WHAT DO THEY WANT? DEMANDED Otar. THEY WANT A jeddak, AS BRAVE AS THE BRAVEST, REPLIED Ethos, THOUGH HIS KNEES SHOOK as he said it, they think I am a coward. cried the Jeddak. They say you are afraid to go to the apartments of Omai the cruel for a long time. Otar sat his head sunk upon his breast, staring blankly at the floor. Tell them he said at last, in a hollow voice that sounded not at all like the voice of a great jeddak Tell them that I will go to the chambers of Omai and search. For Turan the slave This is the end of the Chessmen of Mars Chapter twenty Recording By Tom Weiss